When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, you're listening to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Joe Rimmer and Tom Kivilla, both here alongside me. We'll talk about a few young players who impressed against Derby County, including Ben Doak. We'll preview the Liverpool game before the World Cup as well against Southampton. But firstly, neither Joe nor Tom was with me on Monday's show when we recorded just after, of course, that news that FSG were open to selling Liverpool. So should probably get your take on that. The story continues to develop, Joe. There's not been loads of developments. There's nothing particularly concrete at this point, but still plenty of interest across the Echo's website, across Liverpool.com's website as well around the story. So... I suppose really just a really generic question to start with. What have you made of it so far? Yeah, well, first things first, it's a massive, massive story, isn't it? No wonder there's a lot of interest, a lot of speculation, a lot of talk, because, um, you know, how often does a club like Liverpool change hands? Um, not very often at all. And and, and when it does, it, it goes now. We're into the into the billions, you know. So, um, so a massive story. Um, and one that kind of came out of the blue, I mean, when you actually think about it, it, it probably shouldn't be such a surprise. I think a lot of things add up. Um, you look at the sale of Chelsea in the summer, um, you know, the, the economy and um, and sort of, you know, the, the rival clubs such as Newcastle and the, and the rise of them. And, and it all adds up to sort of perfectly good reasons why FSG might want to sell. Um, I still don't think that it's a, a massive Liverpool are for sale type situation. I think it's a Liverpool can be for sale if the right offer comes along or you can invest in us. They obviously want investment, um, that much is clear, but whether that does end up being a full sale, we'll have to wait and see. But I think, I almost think FSG would be happy for the news to be out there because if it does flush out some interested buyers, um, then then so be it. And, and whilst a lot of people will probably be wasting a lot of people's time now, there'll be a lot of people that come in who don't have the money or don't really have the seriousness to sort of take on Liverpool, I think um, I think for FSG there'll be a lot of interest, and and this will now be a slow process, and, it, and it's different from Chelsea in many ways. You know, Chelsea, you don't often see a club change hand, change hands with the speed in which Chelsea did. Um, Liverpool will be a lot slower uh, than that. You know, if they are to change hands, so um, it'll be an interesting few weeks now. I think as we we sort of see. Uh, names come and go, and you, you go from the, the most ridiculous, like Conor McGregor, to, to more people that seem to be a little bit more realistic. Some, some people maybe in India and, and other places that the sort of, you know, on paper makes sense. So um, it'll be very interesting. I'm sure FSG have got a lot of work to do, and um, the banks will be making their money in, in, terms of, in terms of vetting these people. But yeah, um, and in terms of me personally, obviously mixed feelings. Obviously, we get a lot of FSG apologists thrown at us, but I still like to think that um, I'm a realist and I think anyone who, who has been to Anfield in recent years um, can do so now with pride and look around the, 
the area and the stadium and, and, and feel like that that can compete with some of the best stadiums in Europe um, in world football. And, you know, and I think since FSG have, have come in um, 12 years ago, Liverpool have made great strides both on and off the pitch. And whilst it's, you know, it's easy to sort of look at City and they've done it, in, you know, in, in a big fashion, Liverpool have done it sort of slightly more under the radar, but they've done it. And I think it's easy to dismiss that. It's easy to just look at transfer spend and recent recent windows. But, you know, um, I think you look at the state of the club now and, and anyone who's buying it, um, you know, and of course he's written his blood red and, and there's no big spoilers on that, but he's looking at why whoever takes on Liverpool now, they won't have huge major surgery to do to the club like, like FSG did when they came in. They'll come into a very healthy club, which hopefully they can just sort of, you know, spend some money in the transfer market, keep things ticking over, keep adding sponsors, keep keep Liverpool moving with the times, and you know they should have a very very successful club. So, and that's that's testament to the work FSG has do, have done. Have they always been as ambitious as we'd like, and have they've always, you know, maybe taken chances or backed the manager as much as we wanted in the transfer market? No, but then you know anyone who lived through Hicks and Gillette. Um, has seen much worse so you know um, on balance I think they've done very well at Liverpool and you know I, I'm still sort of better the devil you know um, so I'm still sort of wary on who would take them on there's a lot of chances out there that, that would, would happily come in and, and sort of take Liverpool on a winner of prayer so I think FSG are going to have to be very cautious about this and vet people very well but hopefully they find the right buyers if they do sell them yeah, we're, we're still not quite clear, Tom, in terms of whether they want to sell in full, whether this was to to possibly just attract a bit of new investment, just to, to scope out perhaps what's out there at the moment. But we'll see what kind of develops along those lines. What what sort of position do you have? Where where do you stand on it? Do you have any concerns or are you just kind of sitting back and, and assessing what happens and, and seeing what, what is to come? Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think... As Joe was saying, I think a lot of people have given them a lot of criticism over the last few years, but I think it's one of those cases where you kind of got to be careful what you wish for sort of thing with the owners. Um, you know, if Liverpool were to get, you know, if FSG did sell up and, you know, a new new group came to power and it was, you know, it's sort of similar sort of situation to Newcastle or Manchester City. Um, I'm not too sure Liverpool fans, well, a lot of Liverpool fans would actually be very happy with that, um, to be honest. I know there's be some people that would would like it from a transfer point of view in terms of being able to compete with you know Newcastle and Man City and you know the financial power they have, but just from sort of more a moral point of view, I'm not sure it would sit too well with a lot of fans. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of that this week, so yeah, it's difficult in trying to find you know who would be a good fit for the club really because <laughs> I don't think there's like a definitive answer as to who would be you know the next best owners for the club really I don't think there's like an obvious solution to it but I, I don't I wasn't massively surprised to see this news about FSG come out this week um, I think they've kind of got to a point really where you wouldn't be that surprised if they did you know sell up maybe they don't sell up maybe they just sell off some shares but I think maybe it would probably be about the right time to be honest if they did move on because it just feels like maybe they've got to a point where taking it not as far as they can but maybe as far as they're willing to um in terms of where they take it from so i, I don't necessarily think it would be a bad thing for liverpool to have a new owner come in it's just you know like i was saying before finding 
someone who sort of fits in with the profile of the club. Yeah, if they were to, to move it on, they'd move it on for a big, big profit on what they paid for it. But I suppose that is the obvious sort of question, isn't it, Joe? Where where does this buyer come from? I think from what I've kind of read and, and the people I've spoken to this week, it kind of feels to me like a, another US investor might be the way that we're heading with this. Obviously, there's, there's other options as well. There's been suggestions of Dubai and you mentioned Asia before. There's, there's a number of, of parties that will come to the table, but... I don't know what 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 have you made of, of the sort of lists of people obviously taking the likes of Conor McGregor like you say the the ridiculous ones take those to, to one side there are going to be a good number of, of realistic ones as well yeah I mean that that's it I mean Conor McGregor I don't know whether he could afford to buy Liverpool a player never mind the buy Liverpool club so you know I think it's 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 one of them isn't it like I think America feels likely because we know from experience and from looking at Chelsea that the, you get these consortiums of American businessmen who who will put money together and, and take a chance um, on a club like Liverpool. And we know that, you know, anyone who's read, and I, I fully recommend it if, if you've not, some of Dave Powell, who's a business football reporter's pieces, you know, he, he talks a lot about in America that they, they look at football and soccer clubs and they, they view them as, as being very undervalued. You know, some of the, the, the franchises as they call them in, in America for some of their sports are like you know seven eight billion billion dollars so you know for Liverpool to, to move for three billion pounds you know they probably you know with, with the fan base that Liverpool has compared to those American clubs uh, all over the world um you know they probably are undervalued in their eyes so that's why America feels likely but you know it's one of them where there's a lot of doubt over whether Middle Eastern Middle Eastern sort of bids will, will materialise just because sort of some of the biggest ones are already sort of taken, if you like. Um, but then, yeah, a couple of things that I've read this week suggested that, you know, obviously India is a massive market, whether they would whether they would emerge. China, I don't think there, there is investment coming out of China now for for, for clubs, uh, for football clubs. So I don't know whether that would happen, but but certainly certainly India feels like somewhere which could be realistic um, and other places in Asia perhaps as well. So, it's difficult, you know, we're just sitting here speculating, aren't we, at the moment? It, it really is difficult to know who's going to materialise and, and, and look at buying Liverpool. But, um, you know, what we do know is they're going to have to have a lot of money and they're going to have to be very power, powerful. So, um, you know, I think that's why this could be a long process because FSG are going to have to separate the wheat from the chaff. And if there is somebody who's going to come in fast, they're going to have to be someone that's a real head turner. So... Um, I'm, I'm very interested, but you know, as Tom just mentioned, that I'll be honest, I would not accept and would not want for one minute an owner like Man City's or, or Newcastle's because, you know, I, I'm I'm not one of them who, who, who throws shade at supporters like like City and Newcastle's for, you know, you, you're not responsible for who owns your club, uh, and I think it's very difficult to to expect fans to sort of answer the moral dilemmas that come with that, and I think we're we're all quite. We're all big hypocrites in football because it's it's an easy stick to beat them with and it's an easy thing to throw at their fans. Um, it's not up to them to answer those questions. But also, you know, the same token, I wouldn't, as a fan, as a football fan, want to have to answer those questions and want, want to have to sort of swallow that when I went to support my team or if I wanted to buy merchandise or if I wanted them to progress. I wouldn't want to see them lifting trophies and have those sorts of questions thrown thrown up thrown at, um, at the club. So, you know, for me, I would rather Liverpool stay clear of an owner like that, you know, even if it, if it meant 
all the riches that comes with it because I just think it's not something I would want associated with Liverpool Football Club. Uh, but saying that, any owners who were that rich, there might be questions around. So it could be very difficult. And that's why, you know, I go back to what I said before. It, it's quite often better the devil, you know, and, you know, FSG might have made some some silly mistakes, but they haven't really, they don't come with those more, that moral baggage that comes with other, other ownership groups. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to find out who it is that emerges as potential investors. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing, isn't it? I think I read earlier in the week, I think four out of the last seven takeovers or investors in the Premier League have come from the US. So certainly a bit of a pattern emerging there, but plenty of other interest as well, I'm sure. Myself and our business of football writer Dave Powell recorded a podcast actually earlier in the week, which covered all of the main points. As we say, he is the expert on all of this. So if you haven't checked that out yet, do go across and have a little listen to that. Lots of interesting details on there. But uh, we'll move on. We'll move on to the Derby game. Tom, I know you were out at the academy watching a different set of Liverpool youngsters, but plenty of Liverpool youngsters in the team for the seniors as well. And I suppose the the big story among a couple of things really I suppose Kelleher and Ben Doak the, the two let's start with the goalkeeper no Liverpool goalkeeper I believe in Liverpool's history has won more penalty shootouts than him I suppose that the question is how long can they keep him given how good he is but another exceptional performance from him yeah he's uh he's proving quite reliable isn't he in these uh penalty shootouts I think I do feel a bit sorry for um for Kelleher, Kelleher actually because um you know, we've seen his quality quite a lot in these cup games for Liverpool. And, you know, he's obviously a talented goalkeeper, but when you've got Alisson in front of you, it's uh, quite difficult to get that, you know, regular opportunity in the first team. I spoke to um, Robbie Keane um, not too long ago, maybe about a month ago, about Kelleher, and he was basically saying that he thought he would have to leave Liverpool, um, you know, in order to sort of progress his career. Otherwise, he'll just, you know, carry on playing second fiddle to Alisson, really. And as he approaches, you know, the sort of the peak of his career, you know, it's a bit of a difficult one for him in terms of whether he does want to stick around and, and carry on taking on that role or, or does he want to be the main man somewhere else? I wouldn't blame him if he did go elsewhere because he's obviously good enough to be a starting goalkeeper. And Liverpool won't want to lose him, obviously, but, you know, I think he, he'll probably have his eyes lining up something like that further down the line, potentially. But for Liverpool, it's a bonus having him having him around for as long as possible, really, because, you know, in these cup games, when you're not playing Alisson, he's as good as you can get, really, in terms of a second-choice keeper. Um, in terms of Doak, obviously, there's been a lot of promise around him in the academy this season since his arrival, and obviously justified that with a performance in the first team. So, you know, that's a real positive for him, and I'm sure he'll want to hopefully get more opportunities if Liverpool progress in the Carabao Cup, which has obviously been competition that's allowed Liverpool to to play so many youngsters in recent years and you know the fact that he's you know he's 17 today but was only 16 making that appearance that's obviously a 
you know, a sign that they really believe in him in the first team. So, yeah, long may it continue for him. Yeah, lots of, of positives in that regard. Just on Kelleher, Joe. I mean, Jurgen Klopp was asked about him in the press conference earlier on. He kind of asked a, a similar question to what I asked Tom there in terms of, of how long can Liverpool be expected to, to keep hold of him? How long can he be happy and all sorts of things? And I thought his answer was, was really interesting, actually. He kind of said, well, if he does move on, he's got to move somewhere that plays the same way as Liverpool because he is effectively the, the perfect Alisson understudy. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Quaven Kelleher. I think he's a really, really talented young goalkeeper. And I think he presents Liverpool with a, a very unique and difficult problem in the sense that, like Tom's just said before, you know, he, he needs to play a bit more football. Uh, I think everyone knows that um, because he's he is too talented to be a number two, but then he's, he's absolutely the perfect number two for Liverpool. Um, so like, like Klopp's said you know who, who does he go to um where he gets the, the right level of football at the right team and you, and you don't want him to go to sort of a, a mid to lower table premier league team because because i think that they bring their own challenges he probably would then you'd then be a lot busier he'd face a lot more shots they wouldn't play out from the back you know things like that and I, and I don't know whether that would help his development um you know the only sort of club that i think has dealt with that problem well was 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 chelsea with courtois all those years ago and and um, and loaned him for such a long time to Atletico. So whether Liverpool could do something like that uh, to a, to a sort of you know a top European club, I don't know. Um, I don't know how much interest is in him um, for them to do that, or whether they could sell him with a buyback clause. Um, you know, but the, but those types of deals you barely ever do. You see, you know, a club go back and and rebuy that player. So you know, it's it's a really difficult one, but ultimately it's a. It's a good problem, isn't it? It's it's one of those nice types of problems because you've got you've got Allison there, and, and I think if Kelleher left Liverpool tomorrow, I'd be disappointed, but it wouldn't be the end of the world because because of Allison. Um, but yeah, I think he's a great goalkeeper. I mean, his penalty saves. I mean, the third one was just just a magnificent magnificent save. You know, the, the strength and the, the quickness. You know, and he. he I mean, their, their their goalkeeper saved the penalty, didn't he? And, and he was quite far off his line and. You know, I always remember Dudek all those years ago, basically standing on top of Perlo when he when he saved his penalty in, in two thousand five. And, and goalkeepers quite often use different advantages, but Kelleher just seems to spring from the moment they touch the ball and and get across the goal, which is just, you know, sometimes almost feels like to me defies physics. Is the saves when you know they, they weren't terrible penalties either. They were they were really good saves. So, yeah, um, really really impressive young goalkeeper. So calm. You know, he, he really, you know, he never shows any emotion. And that's what I kind of like about Alisson as well. You know, there are other goalkeepers, I won't name names, that I'm not a huge fan of because they show so much emotion. And I, and I don't think personally that that is a good thing for your defence to have to deal with constantly. An emotional goalkeeper is screaming at you one minute, who's jeering you up the next. Alisson seems very calm and collected and, and Keller has the same quality. And, you know, that I think is what is most impressive about him. So... It's a really unique problem that Liverpool are going to have to find a way of solving. And I think the more performances that he has like that, um, the more acute that problem becomes. But uh, it's again, as I said before, it's, it's one of those good problems, isn't it? I think it's probably a problem they're going to see in other positions as well. They've got so many young talents in that area, Tom. It's you know we, we mentioned Ben Doak there, seventeen today, looked really good. There's there's lots of, of players in that kind of mould and that category that they've bought in at, at that certain age just before they go on and, and sign that first professional contract. I'm sure 
Ben Doak will in the, the next few days or certainly over the next few weeks if he hasn't done by the, the start of, of next week at the very least. So th- there's just so many exciting talents. We've seen Bobby Clark play. We've seen Stefan Bicetic. There's there's a bright future, I think, maybe not necessarily for all of them at Liverpool, but certainly somewhere in the game. They've just got so many good young talents there at the moment all at once. Yeah, they have. Um, you know, and just going back to Kelleher, sorry, um, just going to say, you know, with um, Man City as well, they had a bit of a, not a similar situation, but they had that Irish goalkeeper as well. I just thought of it, um, Bazunu, that they loaned out to Rochdale and Portsmouth. And I think he did really well, both of those loans. And City ended up selling him this summer to Southampton for about 12, 30 million pounds. So if Liverpool did something similar with Kelleher or even, you know, not necessarily loaning him out, but they would probably get a decent fee for him as well. If City managed to get that for a keeper that I don't think he even played a first team game for them. So, um, but yeah, going back to the, you know the players Liverpool have got, the young players. I think maybe that Liverpool should um, look to loan a few more of them out. Um, not necessarily Kelleher, as we said, but just some of the ones that are coming through at the moment, just to get them that first team experience of playing somewhere at an EFL side. Because I think it's a, a model that a lot of clubs have benefited from quite a lot and you know it just gives them that experience of actually you know men's football rather than just you know although the academy matches are good for their development you don't quite get the same level of physicality and you know technical skill in those matches so then people like Ben Doak is probably a bit too early but I think for a few others you know the likes of Frauendorf um you know other Besetic possibly but he's probably a bit close to the first team so necessarily he might not be one that does go but I think there's so many good youngsters that you've got the option of doing it. Obviously, Waltman's gone out to Doncaster, Leighton Clarkson's at Aberdeen. So they're already doing it with a few players. But I think it'd probably be beneficial to, to you know, going forward to really sort of kick on with that um, in all positions of the pitch, really. So, and not just you know, leaving people with the academy, really. Yeah, it certainly worked for Tyler Morton this season from what I've heard and, and people I've spoken to about him. He's been fantastically well at Blackburn and potentially could be one of those that comes back into to Liverpool next season. So, yeah, certainly that is something to look at. Let's talk a, a little bit about Calvin Ramsey as well. Joey's one that we've not seen loads of so far, but certainly I was really, really impressed with, with him. Sometimes you just you look at the way a footballer passes and they touch yeah. the ball and you just go, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? I think with footballers, sometimes a gut feeling just tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? And and he does seem to be the type of player he moves well, he, he carries himself well. Um, you know, again, I can't say that much about him because we've seen we've got such a small sample size. But but just like you, Matt, I have a good gut feeling about him. And you know, I think it's very interesting that when Liverpool signed him, despite him being so young. You know they didn't. I don't know. He has played a couple of youth games, but he he isn't fact featuring with them often. They wanted him within a, in and around the first team squad immediately. And um, you know I think if it wasn't for injury, we probably would have seen him more often. Um, well, I don't think I'm I'm certain that you would have seen him more often this season. Um, and they rate him very very highly. So um, be really interesting the second half of the season after the World Cup, whether he starts to feature a bit more often. Um, you know, especially if Liverpool progress in um, in the in the cup competitions further. So, but um, going back just quickly to loans, I found it interesting because um, you know, not not disagreeing with you, Tom, and I think you know players do need to be loaned; they need that experience. But I think a good loan 
is very rare and I, and I think it's a challenge that the clubs face you know and, and uh, you know it's why they, they now have loans and pathway managers that's how Julian Ward obviously made his name at Liverpool and you know he obviously did that very well and I think those types of positions are worth their weight in gold because we've seen so often I sort of think back to the Benitez era and perhaps the Hunier era of good players coming through and and finding and going on loans that that just didn't benefit them I mean one that springs to mind and I'm not saying that it would have changed everything for him but I always remember Neil Mellor going on loan to West Ham and barely featuring the manager got sacked almost immediately and, and, it, and he really struggled there um, and I think Harvey Elliott obviously really worked out um, a couple of seasons ago um, and um, Tyler Morton's obviously working there well and, and, and I think Liverpool have built decent relationships and they, they, they know better now where to send players but I think it's a really crucial part in the players' development. You know, someone like Ben, though, for example, if they decide to send him out on loan, you know, you could send them to a club who don't play a certain style or, or don't, you know, they don't play him enough. And, and it, it just totally derails his progress. So I think I think it's interesting. Sometimes clubs don't even loan certain players, I think, because they don't want them to go through that. So it's, um, it's a really tricky thing. And I think something that is, is, is overlooked a little bit in football you know how, how difficult it is for clubs to find the right loans and um and, and forge those relationships where they make sure that their players are looked after and, and and everyone benefits the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo yeah even within blackburn i mean between elliot and now tyler morton you had leighton clarkson who was there for six months same club same sort of structure same team that you'd think it would sort of be logical that if it's worked for the other two, it'd work for him. Didn't work for him, but now he's gone to Aberdeen and, and suddenly looks a completely different player. So, yeah, it is really, really tricky. But, of course, the win against Derby sets up a game with Manchester City, Tom. The first one back after the World Cup, just a few days after the World Cup final, in fact. Not quite sure what team we'll see from yeah. Liverpool or Manchester City at this point, but certainly one to look forward to. Yeah, I was watching the draw last night and I... I had a feeling Liverpool were either going to get Man City or Man United. I don't know why. And uh, they got the worst one, arguably, out of the two. So, um, no, it would be a, obviously an interesting one, you know, like you said, in terms of the team, because, you know, they've got no idea you know, how both sets of squads are going to be looking after the World Cup in terms of injuries. And you imagine that Liverpool will probably be in a bit of a better place going into it just because of, the amount of players they've got at the World Cup compared to Man City, who have got you know quite a few players that are going to be going and, and probably likely to go deep into the competition. So, you know, when they're coming back, you would imagine they're going to be quite tired coming back into this game. But the only positive for Man City, I guess, is their squad depth is so strong, so they probably won't feel it as much as Liverpool in that sense. Liverpool don't have quite the same level of options from the bench. Uh, this season compared to City, maybe last season they did, but you know City will probably be you know coming back into it. Ha- they they'll be able to handle it okay, I would imagine. Still, um, you know, it, last time I think they played them. I just I was just thinking back to that two-legged cup tie they had against City about ten years ago. That was a uh, Craig Bellamy. Seems to remember having a good game in the, the second leg anyway. But no, it'd be a difficult game. You know, Liverpool couldn't get any. Diff- more difficult for Liverpool, but you've got to beat the best if you're going to go and win it. So you might as well get it out of the way now rather than later on. Yeah, 
certainly a, an interesting task, isn't it, Joe? It's it's one of those yeah. that you kind of think now we've we've got obviously one game, Southampton, that we'll come to in a second. We'll pick teams for that. Then a break. It's going to be really, really weird. But I suppose the, the World Cup break in some ways will help Liverpool. Not many of their players going. You'd imagine for that City game that Liverpool probably could be a little bit stronger just because they've got, I think, seven players compared to about 13 or 14 that, that City will have going to Qatar. It sounds like, you know, just from Klopp's comments today, they, they might play quite a strong team, didn't they? Because he said if, if Derby had been the only game in 30 days, then they would have um, it would have been a very different team. So, you know, I think it almost might, you know, it kind of reminds me of the the um, the, the charity shield, sorry, the community shield, because Liverpool will be coming back after what is, in inverted commas, a pre-season. And, um, you know, and, and, and sort of playing their first game against Man City, and the, the teams will be slightly changed. No, I don't have all the subs, but I think ultimately neither side will be that worried about the outcome. Um, you know, for better or worse, I think, you know, either either side it won't be make or break for them. So, you know, I, I think you might see a very similar game. And, and, and for Liverpool, obviously that worked out well last time because they caught Liverpool, uh, City a little bit undercooked and, and sort of, managed to go at them and, and win it so you know as Tom's just said if you want to go and win the decimal which is Liverpool after this season the true decimal um number 10 and um, for those who don't speak Spanish there Tom I know you speak Spanish so no problem for you but yeah um you have to beat the best and you know um this glorious this glorious season could could be could be well sorry this season could be glorious because they could go and win a 10th league cup and we all know it's the world's greatest cup competition so that's all that's all that matters so liverpool better get past man city and get the job done absolutely all to play for in the second half of the season just before we go on and pick our teams then for the southampton game just a quick word on them tom i don't expect you to know a great deal about nathan jones correct me if i'm wrong you you maybe do maybe you know his, his life story i don't know but uh it's going to be going to be interesting, isn't it, for, for Southampton? See what they do, see how they play. But for Liverpool, it's just got to be three points tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I think you know Nathan Jones. He's he's quite respected at Luton for the job he's done there. I think um, followed a bit, a little bit of what he's done at Luton. Um, don't know all the ins and outs, but I know he had quite a, a working with quite a low budget at Luton Town, and, and he's managed to get them sort of in the top end of the Championship. Um, in recent seasons, so you know they're, they're someone they definitely wouldn't have not wanted to lose. Um, I think he may have even left Luton then come back uh, recently to the club in the position he was at just now. But um, it's probably made Liverpool's preparation a bit more difficult in terms of you know you never know what to expect when you're taking on a team uh, who's just appointed a new manager in the first game is going to be against you. Uh, Liverpool had that same thing against Brighton in October or whenever it was, yeah, October, I think it was, when uh, De Zerbi was appointed and that was his first game, I believe he was well against Liverpool. So, yeah, it just adds a sort of a, you know, element of the unknown, I guess, in terms of how Southampton will, will line up. Maybe you might change a few players from the lineup that Hazard Hootel may have played. So, I, I imagine Liverpool will be looking at, you know, Nathan Jones's style, probably analysing Luton matches to see how he sets the side up. But, yeah, it does make it a little bit more difficult to prepare for, but it's, I think it's really important Liverpool win this game in terms of just going into the World Cup on a high and and carrying on that, you know, building on that Spurs performance, really. So, yeah, I think they, they really need to get three points. 
I, I can tell you a little bit about Nathan Jones. He was a former Welsh international, managed Luton, uh, had a small role in the hit film Troy and also featured on, on WWE Smackdown in the early noughties. So there you go. So that, that is Nathan Jones. That'll probably go above both your heads, but so does the same Nathan Jones. So, yeah. Yeah, Enjoy there that. we go. I was going to add that he was uh, at Stoke for a bit of time and didn't really do much and then went back to Luton. But uh, Joe... You've uh, you've covered us. So let's move on to our team selector then. Um, Alison Becker will come back in goal. Joe, back for complete change from midweek. Yeah, I think so. Um, so you know, obviously, I'd have Trent back in there, um, Kanate and and Van Dyke, and then and then Robertson. You know, I think I think you you're going to see a strong team here because Liverpool just need to win this game and get into this World Cup break. Keep calling it a break, but for many players, it's it's anything but, but you know, they need to get to the World Cup period um, on the back of a win and just put this part part of the season to bed and and hopefully um, come back refreshed. So, yeah, my, my back four. I think Konate um, coming back has been absolutely massive for Liverpool. And I really don't think you you can sort of, you can underestimate how, how difficult it has been for Liverpool without him. You know, I think towards the second half of last season, you saw Liverpool's, Style evolved further because they could they could defend high up. He's quick. I mean, you know, against Tottenham, he was absolutely outstanding. You know, the, the amount of headers he won. Um, you know, he's he's absolutely dominant in the air, isn't he? And, and we're so used to seeing Van Dijk win win so many headers, but it feels like when Kanate plays, he takes the lead and he's the one that goes and attacks all those long balls. He was he was superb. So I think he can have a really positive effect on on Liverpool. Hopefully in the in the second half of the, the season and hopefully he doesn't pick up any injuries at the World Cup. Um, but yeah, I think he's a magnificent player and I'm really pleased that he's back. Yeah, glad he's, he's going to the World Cup actually gets the, the recognition, whether he'll play or not, I don't know, but uh, we shall see. Tom, is, is that the same back four for you as well? If it is, you might as well move on to your midfield. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll go for the same back four there. I think, like you said, you've got to go as strong as possible in the last game. Um, so going on to the midfield, then I think probably play Thiago, Fabinho, and Henderson. I think I'd go for those three. Again, same sort of point. You know, going out of the last match, I think it's important to have you know, sort of the best players out there. So RV Elliott maybe could feature, but having you know played on midweek, I think you know I expect Henderson playing. Yeah, alongside Fabinho and Thiago, I'd go with. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to play Henderson as the six, Thiago to the left and Elliot to the right. But which way are you going to go, Joe? Um, I'd play I'd play Fabinho and I'd play Henderson and and, um, and Thiago alongside him. Um, you know, I think Elliot's done very well this season at times, but I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, I, I think I've said before on podcasts and I don't mean this is a knock to Elliot. It really isn't. But I think he's played too much football in the first half of the season, I think, you know, Klopp would never have envisioned him playing this much football um, had everyone been fit. Um, and I think it would have been, he would have been eased in a little bit more. So I, I would play the three of them. And, and I know that probably feels a bit conservative against the home Southampton, but, you know, I, I just want Liverpool to get some consistency back, some a bit of a solid base back and, and also help sort of, try and get Fabinho back into top form. And I think those two players around him sort of support him a little bit more. So, so that that's that's what I'd do. And then you've got Elliot to come and 
come from the bench and he can come on in different positions. So, uh, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, certainly a good option to have off the bench, Tom, front three. I think it's got to be Salah, Nunez and Firmino as a three. Again, lack of options really in that area at the minute still with Jota and Diaz out. So, again, got to go for the strongest three. And I think that's, yeah, that's got to be those three really. Yeah, positive update on uh, Luis Diaz. Well, obviously not going to be featuring this weekend. Joe, possibly back after the uh, the World Cup. Is it the, the same three for you as well? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Salah and Firmino are in there. And I just, you know, Darwin Nunes is quickly becoming my, my absolute favourite Liverpool player. I just love watching him. I think everything about him gets you on the edge of your seat. He's mad in, in more ways than one, isn't he? And, and, and look, I mean... For me now, I just want to see him in the Liverpool lineup every time they play because I think, I think in this first half of the season where it's been very very difficult, he's been something we can all cling to for a bit of hope. You know, he, I, I think had this team been performing so much better, um, people would be raving about Darwin Nunes. But because Liverpool have had a poor season, the poor part of his game have been highlighted by by many sections of the fan. Not, not Liverpool's fan base, but the wider football fan fandom and um, and media as well. And but I think anyone who's watched them regularly this season for Liverpool would know that he has got a hell of an upside. And and, and not only is he really really dangerous, you know, it, he's just the sort of player that you want to watch. Um, so yeah, you know, I'd have him starting almost every game at the moment. So yeah, I'd definitely have him there. And I really like him from the left. Um, I'm still, you know, it feels like. Maybe Klopp's turned a corner with him there, um, but it felt like Klopp was quite reluctant to play him off the left earlier this season. You know, maybe maybe against Spurs, um, that sort of convinced him a bit more. But um, but even after the Spurs game, you know, saw saw one or two little thing in the Guardian, sort of strangely criticising him, which I thought was quite odd considering I thought he was by far away Liverpool's most dangerous player um, against against Spurs. So yeah, um, that's where I play him, and, and I'm just excited to get to Anfield tomorrow and see him. 100% in agreement. Uh, let's go for match predictions. Then I think I'll say 3-0 to Liverpool. I think they'll keep a clean sheet. Joe, how do you reckon it might go? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I'm sort of confident about tomorrow. I think um, I think the Tottenham game, they can take some confidence from that. And I think a strong side, I would expect strong results and, and Nunes in on the action. So, yeah, um, yeah, 2-3-0. I'll go 2-0. I'll go 2-0. Nice solid 2-0. 3-0, 2-0, and Tom, what I was, you to say? I was going to go 2-0 as well. Uh, Joe's beating me to it. <laughs> um, I'll stick with 2-0. Oh, yeah, I think we'll, we'll go for that. Good stuff. Wins and clean sheets all round. So we'll leave it there, I think, for today. We'll be back, of course, after the Southampton game with Monday's Blood Red podcast. Plenty more content around on the website and the channel before and after that as well. But until next time, from all of us here, You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.